Are you a cake maker running a business or a business owner making cakes? Hi, I'm Sammy. Hi, I'm Bronya, and welcome to the business of cake making. Now weddings are opening up again, we are also finding that wedding fairs are opening up again. For some cake makers, wedding fairs are a crucial part of their marketing plan. Other cake makers, quite frankly, don't see the point. Um, funnily enough, I do do cake, some wedding fairs. Sammy has decided for the next couple of years that she's not going to do any, which is quite interesting. So we've got different views on the whole thing with how good it is for marketing. Um, but saying that, if you are someone that is looking to get into wedding fairs and you're wondering what is the best for you, today we have Karen and Paul from PMN Wedding Fairs. They operate in the south of England. They do several different fairs, um, but we've asked them today to come along and chat to us about how best to optimise your time at a fair. Is there any point of going to a fair? Um, and what you can do to get the best out of it if you decide to invest in going to a wedding fair. So let's get on. Hello and welcome to Paul and Karen from PMN uh, Wedding Fairs. Good Hello. morning. Good morning. Thank you for having us. Um, so please introduce yourselves and uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, we're the dynamic duo of PMM Wedding Fairs, obviously. Um, Paul and I married for nine years. Well, that was a quick test. Um, met within the industry, obviously. I was working with an exclusive use venue locally to us here. Um, and Paul was a wedding photographer for many years, but I'll let him tell you about that. And I think we attended fairs in a different capacity each. Um, back in those days, many, many moons ago, there were very, very few fairs and there were more shows held by in our region at least um big local newspapers and they were kind of a two-day event in a guild hall or somewhere like oh, that yes, so yeah i remember we those attending probably we found they were getting shoddier and shoddier between us and when we started to chat about how they should be um that was kind of our way forward but paul had already been doing the fairs for a couple of years prior to me meeting him so i'll let him tell you how that all began yeah, so 35 years photographing 1,400 weddings was my background to the wedding industry. Started when I was 18, getting old now. And um, in 2008, in the summer of 2008, I set up PMM Wedding Fairs, uh, purely because I was attending fairs that just weren't working, and I knew I could do it differently. A lot of people, a lot of, a lot of different suppliers, and invite a lot of people to come. Our first one had 800 people come through the door. Wow. And this was at the Fantastic Cams Hall in Fairham, um, which is where I met Karen. And so that's where it all started off. So, um, yes, we started there, and that was a successful summer fair every year for about six or seven years. Um, massive thing, and it made me realise, and we were the first people in the country to do a summer wedding fair, and it just proved so popular, and we now do them all the time. And so from that point, we're now... 360 fairs in and 12 years old. Wow. And how many do you do a year? 25 to 28. Gosh, that's a lot. And that is obviously a repetition with venues having a winter and then autumn fair. So if we do one in the January, February, it's repeated again in September, October. And it's always been important to us actually to generally have our fairs with venues that are wedding venues. We don't kind of do them in school halls or hangars and places like that. 
We would look at bigger exhibitions, of course, but at the moment, the venues we work with give us a nice size and range and scale of how many suppliers we can have attending. Excellent, excellent. And and how how has COVID affected wedding wedding fairs as such? And are you seeing things coming back to normal life or are things changing? Well, yes. Um, obviously, for 18 months, we couldn't do a thing. So everything shut down and there was zero in that respect. We're just back now and we knew that it would be busy. Now, it's busy for customers attending. Um, that's quite mad. It's probably back to... I would say, 2008, 2009, when we started our business. Uh, In fact, more so, uh, to give you some idea. We're pre-registering now, which is something we never felt we would do all the way through the last 12 years. Um, But we're doing it now because that's what people have been told to do in the last 18 months, pre-book. If you need to go somewhere, you have to have a slot of time. And, of course, everybody wants to do that. So daily, we're getting 20, 30, 40, 50 couples booked to attend one of our fairs somewhere. Um, for example, in our, our last fair last weekend, 274 couples booked to come. And then wow. they bring their guests. And it's unheard of. Um, it doesn't mean they're going to turn up on the day because there's no reason for them. They're not paying. They're just booking. But it just seems they're so positive and want to come along, they turn up. And if they can't turn up, they let us know. And if they want to bring someone else, they email us and let us know. It's just all because of the last 18 months. Everyone's got to tell you about it, book, and it's, it has gone mad. I think the virtual side of things for couples now is quite exhausted. There's only so much they can do without physically going and meeting people in person. Yeah. Yes, we're, we're all great on Zoom chats and everything else, but there's no substitute for seeing a design, talking and engaging with a supplier that they're likely to end up booking. Um, so certainly the footfall for the fairs has gone back to what we like to call the old days. Um, certainly over the 12 years, we've seen a real roller coaster with it. it. I think because we never had a pre-registration system and it was always that couples could come when they wanted during the opening hours, you always had that massive coach load turn up first thing in the morning, queues down the road, um, and then you had your lunchtime lull and then it's sort of another little volume come in and then, of course, peter off in the last sort of 45 minutes, which I think as suppliers are always aware that that last bit can be a little bit painful. But this, our pre-registration has certainly <laughs> helped. <laughs> we always notice when they're standing around chatting. But um, <laughs> yeah, it certainly helped because we block off the time zones as they're becoming full. So it actually, if there's only a, a sort of 1pm onwards slots available, it's really encouraging. We're seeing that we can't close the doors on time now. We've still got 100 or more couples wandering around, mm. engaging with suppliers. So there's no pack down early for anybody at the moment, which is <laughs> quite nice. I think Paula mentioned on the supplier side of things, ordinarily we have a big following, which is lovely. And we never rest on our laurels about that because we appreciate they're only going to come back to us if we keep doing what we're doing. Um, They do book a long time in advance. And of course, with the pandemic has caused us to postpone fares, we've moved a lot of suppliers. They've not wanted refunds or anything. They just want to get back out there and come when the next available fares are. But of course, now they're having to postpone a fare they might have been due to attend, which they postponed from March, perhaps, because obviously they've now taken on board the weddings that are all suddenly happening. So um, the supplier attendance has been lower slightly not necessarily dramatically but very much our regular suppliers we're hearing from saying i so want to be there and i know how many people are going to come and i know it'll be new couples but i've done six cakes this week and six weddings i can't and we understand that we were very lucky over the period of no work whereas 
a lot of people in our business, I know, obviously we know colleagues in our business, they had to pay back an awful lot of money. Um, I think with our following, and we are very proud of it, I don't think one person asked for any money back. They just put it into a fair that could be moved and could be moved and could be moved. But we are down. I'd say we're 15, 15% down on supplier involvement at the fairs at the moment. But we're definitely 35, 40% up on the amount of people who are coming. And it's, it's purely... Is it just purely because of overwhelm on their part at the moment? Definitely. That's all we're hearing. There's nothing to indicate um, anything else, to be perfectly honest. I think before, we obviously painfully waited and waited. Um, We could have had a fair within the restrictive times, but we could see that it was not going to be a wedding planning experience for anybody. So we pulled the plug on effectively one of our most popular, busiest fairs. I think it was about the 27th time we would have been at the venue. Yes. Very regular footfall, regular attendance and so forth, um, that it was important to us that when we came back, we came back with the right atmosphere for everybody because we appreciate everybody has a very different feeling about safety, about measures and so forth. So de-restricting, unregulated now is one thing, but I think we've been very supported with our fares by both obviously showing our suppliers that we can make them safe and enjoyable, but the couples equally um, we uphold whatever the venue wants us to, which at the moment is obviously just asking if people would consider wearing face masks and so forth. Bizarrely, we've always had hand sanitizers at our shows, at entry points and things, which um, we continue to do. So we provide our own signage, additional to the venue, uh, boxes of disposable masks, and couples are happy to wear them. But we are noticing, obviously, when they're trying to chat to suppliers, the natural distance across a table or a display is given a nice barrier shall we say without being too restrictive but they're probably just dropping their mask slightly to be able to engage in conversation but otherwise I wouldn't suggest that suppliers are not coming because they don't feel safe in any way I think mm-hmm. that's um, that's the beauty of it and if we have to tackle any more restrictions in terms of wearing masks again then I don't think it will overly put anybody off either side because they're happy to do it even now. Um, as cake makers, um, how should we choose the best fairs uh, to go to? For example, you have, like as we were talking about earlier, how many um, venues you have on your calendar. How would you recommend for someone to choose which is right for them? Okay, well, I think it's a very individual thing for each supplier. As a photographer and being in your side of the business rather than um, a wedding fair organiser, I would always choose the fairs for me where I knew they would do a lot of weddings, so I was guaranteed to get more work. For example, if they did 120 weddings a year and I was a photographer at that venue, then I'm going to get some work. I probably wouldn't have gone to a venue that did 12 weddings a year. Um, The other side of it is if it's within your area, how far do you want to travel with a cake? For a photographer, I didn't care if I travelled 200 miles, but I wouldn't want to take a cake 200 miles. So there's all these little things that make you decide. It might be just your favourite venue. And as a photographer, I did that. I had three favourite venues that I like to work at, so that's where I wanted to be, as much as I would do it anywhere else. You might have a favourite venue. Um, It might do 20 weddings a year. Yes, you go there a lot. You might do the 20 weddings a year. So that's the ones that you want to stay at. Um, But there are big events where we can get a lot of people who travel 50 miles to come to a fair. Um, Those ones are good and exciting for anyone who comes along if they want the business, a lot of business, and they're not bothered about how far they travel. But I think it's purely a personal choice. Yeah, I'd never thought about thinking about the numbers or anything like that of of how many weddings that hotel has. That's a really good tip. Yeah, Yeah, I think because you quite often get 
a good association and if couples are seeing you quite regularly attend those fairs and of course we were talking about sometimes we have a following of probably a year 18 months of the same couples coming to all of our different fairs they come you know we call them not stalker couples in the nicest way but they become our favorite couples and they come in they're high because they're really interested in seeing different people and the regularity of that same supplier I think mm-hmm. that gives them an awful lot of confidence that they're seeing the same supplier attending, thinking, oh, well, these are obviously good, they're here all the time, and so on and so forth. But on the different side of it, I see it, uh, perhaps mm-hmm. when I was working with an, a, a venue, that I would just want to see maximum interest in that event. So if I was a supplier, I'd want to stand there and see hundreds of couples, and then the percentage of those that are going to gauge with me is still going to be higher than perhaps a smaller, more intimate fair. Um, it's not necessarily about the business. There is a level of quality over quantity. And we're certainly yeah. feedback from our suppliers at the moment. It's the level and the standard of couples looking are not wasting time. They are oh, ready to book, yeah. very genuine. There's no yeah. sort of, I think that's a frustration for any supplier that you, you spend 20 minutes to engage with a couple and you find out they're actually haven't even got a date or don't know where they're going to get married. That hasn't meant they're not going to come back to you, of course, but... Equally, you've probably missed the others that were yeah. ready to book yeah. and so forth. I, I did a fair, God, um, end of September I did a fair, and it's one that I had booked 18 months. I'm in, I'm in Epsom, so I'm up in, sort of like, I, I do sort of like the London area. Yes. Um, yeah. And there's me pointing at London like you know where I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I did one up in Shoreditch, and it's one that I'd booked 18 months before I did it, and it had been delayed and delayed. And... The, the couples that were coming in, like you say, they were all really good quality couples. Yes. They were couples yes. that were looking to – I think I had a couple – I think the first two people I spoke to had 2023 weddings, but they had booked dates and venues already. Wow. Yeah. Because I think everyone is so fearful or they've been waiting so long to, to get Absolutely. all this done. That, so they had their, their date, they had their venue, um, and – Everyone I spoke to, there wasn't one that I, I spoke to that I thought, oh, that's, I'm, I'm not going to hear from them again. Yeah. And I've already booked three weddings off of it. Amazing. Wow. Which, yeah, which is, which is unheard of. I mean, usually you sort of like sit around for six months and go, is anyone going to come back? And then they come back. But yeah, yeah. already I'm getting bookings in. And I, I, I agree at the moment, really good quality couples coming Definitely. through. I think touching back on your question about what's, what's the right venues to attend, it is a personal choice, definitely. But on the flip side, we've had some suppliers that have probably worked with us a long, long time, and they decide that a fair or a venue, whichever you want to put it, doesn't work for them. Um, I think that's always a tricky one as well, because at the end of the day, in pause photography time, I'm sure you could stand at a fair, be you, do what you do, and if those couples are looking for their photographer that day, you may receive significant interest. Yeah. But it's not to say the fair isn't going to work for you because you didn't get the same interest as you got the time previously. There can be a lot of contributing factors to that. And, you know, at the end of the day, couples are going to come up and interact with you and speak to you if they want your services. So we have had the odd person that sort of perhaps done an awful lot of fairs with us and gone, no, 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 I'm not doing that one again. It didn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, regularly, if you were to attend a fair that you really felt just didn't feel right for you, it's not one you're going to book again. You know, we very much want to support new businesses that are starting. So we appreciate they're not going to be all singing or dancing. They're not necessarily going to have the best of displays. But what we have seen always is we've 
been happy to give them some feedback, happy to give them some guidance. Um, we'd certainly want anybody to run with their own independent style of displaying. We love it when we see people not using a table and they've got pods or acrylic stand, you know, anything that's um, a little bit different, another way of drawing people in, because the, the table can be a barrier as well as a showcase. So equally, the startup businesses, which I must add, we're finding an awful lot of new startups since COVID. And I think people have just had the opportunity to rethink life, do something they've always wanted to do, had perhaps some spare cash that they could invest into the new horse box trailer, be whichever. Um, so yeah, we would always encourage a nice selection. Um, I think if we if we can't find somebody's website, Instagrams, all the social media channels, we kind of need to be a bit reserved about how couples are going to see them. Um, maybe insist in you know that they come back to us for a fair a bit later on when they've got a bit more material to show and so forth. So yeah, there is a level. I wouldn't say we turn down. We encourage yeah. and hope them have right. them blossom a bit more. Yeah. Excellent. Mm. Well, that's nice. Um, How would you recommend cake makers make the most out of a fair? Are there any common mistakes you see people making? Um, I'd love to hear all your hints and tips. um, (laughs) The best from my investment for wedding fairs in the future. Okay. Well, I think um, we have had cake makers come along with a cake, and then there might be someone there with six cakes. Um, It's a very odd one because we've got a new cake business that works very closely with us at the moment. And uh, she's a very bubbly young girl, and she's just starting out. And she was surrounded by people at the last couple of fairs with just one cake on show and cookies. And the work that she's been getting now, she's had numerous bookings in the last two fairs over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think purely it's because of who she is. She is just so bubbly. She has run venues. She, She has worked with us before she's very much a people person and then you get the big um suppliers who have a display of six eight cakes and it looks stunning yes they're always surrounded as well because there's a lot of people around it looking at all the cakes and the display is wonderful and they are they are of course giving out tasters you can do that now so it's a very difficult thing i don't know what is the best thing for cake makers but from my point of view i would always said the more you can bring along. We are your show, we are your shop window for the day. Let people see everything that you do. And then of course this young girl's blowing that theory out the window with one cake and some cookies and she's surrounded all day. But I think that might be because there's only one or two of them at the fairs at the moment. Not three, four, five cake makers, it's one or two. So it could be that little bit of a balance. And this is where there was 50 suppliers and two cake makers. Um, So yes, again, it's a very personal choice on what you bring because of where you're coming to. I get a lot of people book our small stand space, which is a four-foot table. But I always give a cake maker a six-foot table, whether they book a four-foot table or not, because it's just bring more. Put them on a six-foot table. If you put two cakes on a four-foot table with a little banner, it just looks very good on a six-foot table. Kind with of makes three you look four cakes. Than you are, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we kind of advise on the day. I'm, I kind of advise people on the day of how to set their stand up, not what to bring. If I can see what they bring and it slightly doesn't look good from a, a walking up point of view, then we can advise. But I think um, a lot of cake makers come along but don't bring tasters, would you believe? I mean, maybe that's really? a thing or not. And so they're just showing or handing out business oh. cards. But surely if you're a cake maker, it's like if you're a wine maker, you'd get someone to taste it. Yeah. And we actually do get cake makers come and give any. 
personally as a cake maker, I always take tasters, always, always. <laughs> and I always recommend to people, um, to other cake makers, don't take vanilla. Everyone knows what vanilla tastes like. Everyone knows what a vanilla chocolate, vanilla or chocolate cake tastes like. If you've got a slightly different flavour, take that. Yeah. I did a wedding fair um, at the Epsom Downs race course, which is probably one that's similar size to yours. Yes. And um, I took a vanilla chai cake. Mm. And I got, I think... I got a lot of bookings from that fair, yeah. a lot of bookings. And I would say 40% of them went for that vanilla chai. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, yeah. <laughs> and so I know that that 40% were drawn in by that unusual flavor that I took. Don't yes. take vanilla. Everyone knows what vanilla cake yeah. tastes like. Yeah. <laughs> I think in terms of a visual thing as well, I think it's probably – do you change what you don't need to fix as such? If you've got a set way of exhibiting and a stand that is always well with the crowds, then you're doing something right. Equally, I think it's nice to mix it up because, as we find, a lot of our couples, perhaps that come from all across Hampshire, they're likely to see that same supplier at a few fairs in that month. And to just go and see the same stand again, they're just going to glance and think, oh, that was that lady from last time. So it's hard to know what you should bring but I suspect and I, I feel personally that sometimes the venue itself lends itself to a particular cake that you might think from your experience couples are going to love this if they're getting married here um, because it, it is a, a, you know a stately home or a manor house is quite different to some of your more contemporary venues um, looking at some of the cake makers that regularly have exhibited with us um, over the years we've got dare I say, quite an elderly couple that are very, very successful. We did think they might have closed in COVID, but they're going strong and they've got hundreds of bookings still. Um, they have a set way. They have a, some low pedestals that the cakes are almost, you're viewing them from above to a degree, um, all dotted around. People can walk through them, round them. They always have a large space in a corner. Um, they don't even have banners up, actually, but that interaction seems to give enough for people to actually go all around that obviously the fake cakes um always have um, samples in a perspex box handed obviously on plates with uh, tongs and so forth they've obviously been pre-packaging samples at the moment to give mm. out in their entirety sealed um they're vastly different from another couple that have worked with us for many years that are very creative as you all are with what you do but they kind of bring some very different stuff as well as some traditional cakes. So they might bring, I think they class it as a chandelier cake, kind of upside down, hanging from a frame. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the popularity of that, people don't see that very often, so it's a very much a wow. They've made replicas of venues as a cake. So, again, it's your extremes of your photographers. It's your extremes of anything. Um, cupcakes, we still find a, a massive combined with cakes. You must find that that goes through different eras of how yeah. people want that or whether they mm -hmm. have them as favours and so forth. So um, I think an age range of couples as well that, again, it's thrown everything at you because we know we have a lot of second marriages, third marriages, couples come round and as a mature couple, they're probably not looking at what they had way back, mm -hmm. much more simplified, but equally there's a lot more glitz and glamour to cakes nowadays as well with lots of sparkle, maybe some simplicity, but you know, rose gold here and all the different types. I think for you guys, it's it's a bit like a stationery. You're, you're almost having to show that you can do from the most basic, simple striking to something that's really wow. And to bring that all to a fair is quite difficult. So like Paul says, sometimes, excuse me, sometimes less is more. Um, but then visually, I think it is about perhaps having 
dare I say, a TV screen with rotation of images rather than just an iPad that people don't always capture how much you can do. Um, but not obviously saying that you need to get into the dynamics of big TV screens flashing by. But again, interactive, it's a different way of saying to couples, well, look, here's some other styles I do without them sort of sitting there on a phone or something really tiny. I know I think the days have gone of perhaps thumbing through a catalogue of what you do. Yeah. It is that visual interaction is now very much, um, you know, a full yeah. show of cake. At your fairs, do you do you take names of the dresses that you hand out to um, your suppliers? As or, in the couple's theatre? Yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's a better yeah, way of putting it. Fine. it. It's actually been one of those things over the years. Um, we always have encouraged our suppliers to take their own leads at the stand because for a long, long time we were finding that we've never sold the data, we've never given out the data. We collate it, we contact the couples. Um, we have been asked, obviously, over the years, would you sell it to us? Can we have it? GDP are obviously changed a lot of that. Um, but what we do understand from those that do contact couples afterwards is if it was a mass data shot and, oh, yeah, we met you at a wedding fair and they think, well, I didn't engage with you, actually. We get, we've had couples come to us and say, could you take us off the mailing list? I didn't want this. I didn't. And that was probably three or four years ago now. That was a big thing. Everybody wanting to come off the mailing list. Right. So we knew of other organisers that did it and we were quite regularly asked, but we have never provided that entry data we use it and we contact the couples and advise them of all our upcoming fairs or what's happening um but as i say gdpr really did change that and i think couples are quite conscious of what they right. do and don't want you'd say to the suppliers to definitely take details down and definitely. everything and there's very much an active yeah. way of being able to do that whether it's a giveaway whether you've got some pens couples are more than happy to give you their information um if they're looking for your services and equally they're also going to have your information in our gift bags because as part of exhibiting with us you've always got that opportunity that we take the flyers and pre-pack them we do them in quite a different way now to make it all look very nice and they're in a clear sealed wallet so they're not just strewn in a bridal bag but um it's at the end of the day they're kind of seeing you at the fair getting your you know, the opportunity to communicate you with you there they're getting your flyer in our gift bags as well so the if by that point they needed to really be emailed again by you, you it's a fine line of how they feel yeah. that's too much, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. And I we do that. get couples get contact that. us and say, "Find a really lovely cake maker. I've lost the card. They were at this fair." And of course, we always give them the full list of who was there. Yeah, oh, that's nice. Perfect. Perfect. So, do you, do you expect couples to book on the day, um, and if not, how long in the, how far after the fair um, would you expect a book to be made? Now, I've I've only ever had one couple book on the day. I've been doing this ten years, um, yeah. and I've only had one couple book on the day. And ironically, it was actually at Rhinefield House ah, at one of your fairs. <laughs> so, but we, I mean, we're talking about five years ago. It was quite a while ago. Um, yeah. But do you expect bookings to be made on the day? And how far later after the event do you expect them to be made? Okay, we definitely don't expect them on the day. So when I was well, in the good old days, yes, I'd go, I'd go to a fair and book 10 weddings on the day. I'd do that. Yeah. Um, there's a big venue we use, which is Old Thorns. Um, eight years ago, at one of their fairs, they took 18 physical bookings on the day. That's £10,000 per booking. 
They they got that and they booked that and physically took money on the day. That's the venue itself. And in the last few fairs that we've done, yes, I've spoken to, I, I walk around the fair all day and look after my suppliers. That's my job. Karen works the door, I, I look after the suppliers. And I talk to every one of them in detail all day. And I would suggest probably 30% of last week's got bookings on the day. If it wasn't one, it was two or three. Wow. Uh, photo booth got three last week, booked, signed up, paid on that day. I think that's a sign of <clears throat> where we're at at yeah. the moment with couples as well, though. And I yeah. wouldn't say it's panic booking, but they're certainly aware that weddings are back, mm. dates are out there, venues are getting busy, suppliers are getting busy. So that seriousness of booking is they've probably investigated these suppliers or spoken to them online during lockdown. Now they've met them in person booking made so we do we have quite i don't want to say a success rate of bookings on the day but we certainly do hear of it a lot and on a monday morning when we've had the fair we always send out a feedback um email to thank all our suppliers for joining us or of course we wouldn't have a fair without you and so forth but we always welcome any feedback because we always want to know what's out there what's happening um you know you guys are our eyes and ears as well we can be at the fair and doing our part all day but for you to tell us exactly what you're hearing and seeing is really important as well. Um, we do know that the Monday phone calls and the Monday contact is a, quite a popular thing after a fair on the Sunday. Couples have actively gone home, perhaps talked about it on the way home, looked through the gift bag and thought, no, we're going to, let's, let's do it, let's book them. Um, and we've had, as far as we're aware, we've certainly had one of our longest standing cake makers actually told us about a couple that booked them um, and it was 18 months prior they'd seen them at one of our fairs. They could wow. name the date of the fair and where it was, so we knew exactly what that was. And they said they couldn't believe it. It was 18 months. But on average, about a year. If they've seen those businesses exhibiting and they've spent that good year or more looking for their key suppliers, um, they've gone back to them a year later when they're really ready. So I'll ask you a question. No, we don't expect people to book on a day, yeah. but it's it's coming back. Yeah. yeah. It used to be a, a thing, I suppose. Um it did disappear for a while, and people do just come along, collect info, and then go home, digest. And we wanted to do that. That's what the information is at the fair. Yeah. Sit down, digest it, come back and book. But a lot of them do book on the day. If you see, that's like when I was talking, if they see you on that day and they like you and want to book you, if they don't, they're not going to get you. So that is my philosophy on the booking on the day. They do that because they want to make sure they do get you. They fall in love with what you are, what you do, what they've seen, book it now, which is like anything in life, isn't it? Mm. But if that's coming back, great. If it's going to be after the event yeah i think that's the norm but people are booking again on the day now can i just touch on that level of booking side again again some suppliers feeling a fair hasn't worked for them because they might not have got a booking from that one but then they've not necessarily come back and said six months later oh actually that fair really did work because i've got four bookings out of it but they've just taken three months to trickle through or come through so it's very, very difficult. I think unless you're on it yourselves to find out where that couple saw you, when you, you know, literally when you booked them, can I ask where you saw me or when you first found me at a fair? And it does give you, because otherwise you're not knowing where your marketing is working particularly well. And we often say with uh, our one tip really with uh, suppliers for any marketing literature that we take from them is to perhaps code it in a sense of, you know, when we've all had a flyer before and it says, quote, reference so-and-so, but in a way that's perhaps unique to us and you, if you were an exhibitor that was going to do a massive flyer distribution drop with us and couldn't attend six fairs but wanted to give us enough for 12, your flyers were going out and you were suddenly 
you know, getting some inquiries. I don't know where they're coming from. If that flyer had, quote, PMN 2021 on it, you would know that that couple had found you via our gift bags and so forth. So just, you know, because at the end of the day, the return for investment on a fair, quite different from the flyer distribution, but equally as important to see whether you're spending to come and stand in front of people or your flyers are actually doing a very subliminal thing by being in every bag. Again, we have suppliers that sort of say to us all, well, I'd like to do that fair and that fair. And you say, okay, you're Hampshire based. Um, so you're, you're willing to travel within a certain radius. Well, we've got fairs at these three venues quite close. How about you pop your flyers in all of those? Because all you're actually doing is excluding seeing couples or getting couples contact because you've just picked a fair that you think your flyers might do well at. Yeah. So it's a, it's a much broader thing, I think, generally, um, in terms of, you know, how you're seen and where you're seen. How have um, wedding fairs changed over the years? If someone hasn't done a fair for a few years and fancies dipping their wedding fair toes again, what's mm. changed now that will entice them back? Oh, that's a difficult one. Yeah. It's yeah, because we, um, we do change it up every year, uh, whether it's our website, whether it's things that we do, little tweaks here and there. Um, but It's technology well, has changed so much as well, yeah. hasn't it? It's that, yeah. How we how we operate a fair can't really change apart from what changes around us. So, because a venue is a solid thing that we can only put certain people in certain places and do certain things, we can't move it around. But we we change it up in the way of how we um, how we advertise it, how we put signage out, uh, what banners, and then sometimes one of the biggest changes that we do at fairs is if the management changes, oh, we can change it up because some of them are so set in their ways and you. Mm. You're beating your head against a brick wall. Yeah, you actually think, do you want you wanted yeah, us to do yeah, this fair? You, you want all these couples to come and book your venue, yeah. but you're limiting how we can yeah. market it. Yeah. So you. we say to them, do you think you could put this on your social media? And it's like a, a, a thing now. You yeah. could do that, and yeah. you know, for years they probably won't even mention that they want us to come and do a fair and sell their business for them, but they won't tell anyone about it. So, and we get that with suppliers as well. And one of our biggest thing is now tell people where you are on the day of our fair. If you do that, you're going to benefit more as well because you're telling everyone what you're doing on that day. Some of them don't, and we still get. We've got a fair this weekend, and <laughs> some of them still haven't. I've put seen down what they've had for breakfast this, this morning, yeah. but I haven't seen yeah. that they've spent two hundred pounds to exhibit at a fair and have their audience that yeah. where they're yeah. going to be. But there we yeah. go. That's the difference. But sorry to touch on exactly what you were saying. I think the biggest thing for anybody that was thinking about coming back to it is don't. Think about what it used to be. Right. Just take fresh eyes and look at what the marketplace is now. And equally, do your homework. We have so many people that have become suppliers with us in different categories of supplier that have scouted us out. They've come around the fair. They've pretended to be a bride. They've had a look. But by the end of that fair, they've come up to us and said, I've got to be really honest. I'm a supplier. And I came here today to see X, Y, Z. How do, I, how do I get involved? Where do I sign up? What do I do? So that's really nice for us to see. But there are certainly more fairs out there now. Um, we have obviously our own bugbears about things. We don't like it if we don't know there's a fair going on and you just pass a little handwritten sign that all looks a bit nasty and tacky. You know, at the end of the day, a £50 fair, you have to be aware of what you're likely to get from that in the village hall or a big fair, very well marketed, you're seeing it everywhere yourselves. That return on investment is, you know, you can't say anything more than that. Um, the other thing 
I think for me, if I was a supplier, I'd I'd want to see where my investment was going. Mm-hmm. Um, and that isn't just a tatty old banner slung up on a roadside somewhere. It's AA road signs, directional on the day. It's flags. It's branded everything that basically within that area, when you're driving up on that day, you're not looking for where it is. You know where it is by all the signage. Um, and you can quite clearly see it's been promoted for a long time and that costs a lot of money so for 50 pounds 75 pounds 100 pounds that business can't do that they they can't advertise it like that um so no, you'll get aa road signs quite expensive aren't they yeah, yeah. very expensive yeah. yes yeah. very like everything now even more expensive yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it's um, it is about that and if i was to start out again um i think hopefully i would look at probably spending some serious money on it in respect of it's your money you work hard for if you're going to give it to someone you need to make sure that they're going to use it properly and it is difficult for your first time so people do scout sale that is a brilliant way of coming to see our fairs and then deciding to exhibit but to spend 50 pound i know i'm not going to get anything back i just know that i know probably it'll be in a village hall and yes if you're we do get it. We get people say they've been to a village and they've got a booking. Well, that's fantastic. Yes, it does happen. People, someone walked in, saw you, booked you, loved your cakes and booked you. Mm. But it's chance you take. We've always invested so heavily into marketing. That's why we're still here. And that's why our, our suppliers keep coming back to us. We're kind of evolving with that all the time, obviously, as well, because it is you have to move direction and with times i mean we were one of the well the only organizer that we knew of in the country that advertised every single fair on the radio we worked with heart and capital um it was a massive investment it cost us nearly fifty thousand pounds a year but we we felt it was the way to go radio and media in that sense has certainly changed a lot more now um we looked we've sat down with some media types and said you know how can we reapply this investment because is it subliminal uh when we've got the big events coming on that's great but there must be a more effective way to spend money than just somebody hearing a jingle and a wedding fair and not necessarily was it this weekend next weekend yeah so forth we've learned from that we did 10 years of radio um but actually it has been worth reinvesting into google google ads google adwords and so forth um i think our biggest investment really is still social media we do massive paid campaigns with facebook um, obviously, they can then be projected across Twitter and Instagram and so forth. But that investment, as much as it's algorithms and we all hate the kind of ways they can control it all, um, has always brought us the biggest results, to be fair. So and when I say paid campaigns, I mean hundreds of pounds per fare, yeah. pushing that fare out there, not I'll boost this post for £20 to an yeah. audience of 300 people. Um, so we're always ready to take on new things. I know Instagram, it's probably not my favourite thing. Um, and again, it's just a social media thing. We have our loves and hates about different branches of it, don't we? Um, just because I feel that you you constantly have to capture something, keep going with Instagram. To, you know, anything is brilliant on there because it's so visual. But certainly Facebook, for an event point of view, works very well for us. Um, and it's where we inject an awful lot of our budget. You're, you're essentially saying before someone goes to a fair, just do their research, do their research. Is it the right yeah. fair for them? Is it the right yeah. organisers for them, that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Come, and, come and have a good nosy round. You know, we love it if people get in touch and say, well, I was going to come to your fair and have it. Yeah, please do. Right. But equally, we love it on the day when somebody's been round 
and then come back to us and said, you know, I'm not a bride, but I really would like to exhibit um, and I've seen what you've got here. And, and, you know, you're checking out other people's displays. And of course, you're getting more ideas and seeing what works and what you think look really good. And, you know, that is a form of flattery. You know, there are going to be occasions you probably turn up somewhere and somebody's got a pretty identical display to yours. <laughs> highly likely they might have come and had a look somewhere. Yeah. And again, going back to that sort of thing, we it is expensive initially your outlay because you're probably having to make your fake cakes and so forth and upgrade them and change them and you know all of that's time and investment um one of the one of the displays that actually sticks in my head for an awful long time for for various reasons was a lady that had the neon letters the big love letters and i thought oh god she's come with more equipment than i was expecting why on earth has she got love letters she's put down on her form that she's a cake maker and now we've got her next to somebody with love letters wasn't that at all she had the the letters cake and on the top of the cakes were her displays. Oh, it was brilliant. Oh, it wow. was incredible. Illuminated, giant love letters, out the back of the car. Obviously, husband had adapted the top to be a platform. Um, and yeah, that stays with me for ages because yeah. she was surrounded. But again, what a learning curve for us because we weren't expecting that. We'd given her a table. She said, no, I don't need a table. That's fine. Hadn't really said anything about what her display consisted of but from that point on we knew we had to put her somewhere that was I wouldn't say dimly lit because the cakes needed to be seen but it was so creative that the the cake illumination didn't even require the cakes to have any form of lamp or anything shining on them because there it was perfect so little things like that stick with us sometimes (laughs) is there anything that we haven't asked you that you think you'd like to talk about um i don't know if there's any other tips or i don't know anything anything at all do you really want to say more supplies is whether it's us or in a trial fair i'm getting people phone me now i've got people coming to fairs down here in the south of the uk in hampshire who are 60 80 100 miles away and ask them why we'll just go anywhere we do anything right. which is far. i think that's a good way to be come and try it um, some people do say they go to, to Surrey, one of our fairs, and they get someone from the other side of London. That's difficult. They live in Portsmouth. Um, but we're, we're finding there's a big cross-section, particularly borders, whereas uh, a, a business like Old Thorns, it's in the West Sussex, Surrey and Hampshire borders. And you can just get work from anywhere. And we know a thousand people will come to that fair. Mm. It kind of pulls in all the counties. Yeah. Across, so it's, it's always going to give good arms yeah. and legs. Um, COVID's given us time to change things up a little bit. And we... We always charge an, an entry fee to our fairs, um, right. very minimal, uh, just £2 a person. And it didn't really generate any problems because I think people were quite happy to come into a quality event like that. And it was about putting a level um, of value to our fairs because we didn't actually want people to drive down the road and see the big yellow AA sign. I think, oh, free cake. Let's take the yeah. kids in. Got nothing else to do on a Sunday. I think... We can't exclude anybody in any capacity anymore, but we've taken away the entry fee, which unfortunately we did give a proportion of that to one of our nominated charities. But what it's done is just actively be able to say free entry. It's a big deal. People want free entry to anything. But what we used to do was give away very high quality gift bags and they were kind of grabbed by granny wanted one and so did somebody's mum and so on. And actual fact, the, the whole contents is only relevant to the couple really getting married. So working with a lot of uh, 
big magazine publications through the industry, you know, the value of the bag was sort of up to £20 for a £2 entry fee. So taking that away, we've tipped that on its head now and we actually charge for the bag instead. So we're actually getting the quality is a lot higher. So the, you know, a beautiful laminated bag, rope handled, our gilt logo through them. And we've actually got some big, um, big names that actually want to work with us now to put content in there. So that actively encourages couples to come. If your your flyers and your materials are within them, um, there's a quality to the gift bag, which enhances the quality of the suppliers there. And actually, we've got suppliers thinking out of the box and actually producing edibles on the day that can go in the gift bags as content, but it's your business card. Ultimately, yeah. uh, a lady that's got a cookie company for favours, she produces 150 cookies per fair instead of flyers and... She's getting bookings every one. Um, and lastly, sadly, we have to come to a close. Uh, yes. Lastly, your promo um, opportunity where your <laughs> listeners can find you and your website and socials, etc. And what fairs have you got coming up? I feel tempted to go along to one now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, obviously, our PMM Wedding Fairs website will give you all our listing of upcoming fairs, exhibitor booking form. There's information on there destined for couples, for you guys as exhibitors. Um, we want to give as much information as possible. And obviously, for venues that are interested in our services as well, they can get in touch with us. We are in the midst of uh, just about to come to our season for it all to be revamped as we work towards the end of the year. Our designer is on it, ready for lots of tweaks and changes. Uh, he's actually getting married the weekend after next, so is slightly unavailable. I don't know why, but, you know, uh, postponed wedding three times. So he's getting uh, married at Farnham Castle, uh, which isn't too wow. far from us here, on the West Sussex Coast. Um, yes, obviously find us all over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There are main links that we find a lot of our couples and suppliers engage with us on and not forgetting we've obviously got uh, a second arm to our wedding fairs which is the wedding plan so that's our online wedding planning platform um, and again it's evolved it's uh, it's primarily covering dorset hampshire surrey and sussex and yeah take a look at the wedding plans and it will tell you it's linked obviously from pmm wedding fairs site so lots more to it we won't and you with it please take a look if you'd like to well thank you so much for joining us today it's been really thank helpful you. hopefully our our listeners have got some hints and tips on how they can make their wedding wedding fairs more possible for them have. i've, I've learned quite a few things i've been opened to investigating wedding fairs a bit more thoroughly yeah good and definitely it is about research because you know there are different standards different levels look at followings look at the how much marketing you're seeing coming from those um, from those different companies, and that will give you an idea if your investment is likely to to work for you. The last mm-hmm. thing you want to be doing is standing at a fair on a precious Sunday and seeing yeah. you know, sort of 20, 30 couples come through and you know, or, it's it, or not the worst thing ever. Yes, exactly. Nobody <laughs> comes through the doors. <laughs> you'll never go back to a wedding fair. All wedding fairs yeah. are like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a wedding fair. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and of course, at the name of the spelling with a Y as well, because there is a a line of what an F A I R S does or an F A Y R E S does. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we still love it and are very passionate about it, and I think. To have all got through and still be going through this uh, 
mm. very difficult times if we can sit here and plan to look forward and make changes and keep going then that's what it's all about perfect perfect well thank you so much it's been amazing it's been lovely. absolutely fantastic you thank you nice. very much thanks guys take See care bye. bye thank you to karen and paul um yeah. for coming on and talking to us i thought it, i thought it was fascinating absolutely fascinating yeah. what they were saying I le- I've learned so much. I just hope I can remember it all because I didn't actually write most of it down this time. I was concentrating so hard on what they were saying. But the checking out the amount of people going to a venue, um, yeah. that, that a venue has weddings booked was a good tip. I did like yeah. that. And But I think also what they didn't touch on, because obviously they were looking at it from their business point of view um and i think that's quite good because it's giving us a different set of eyes on on what to do yeah especially when it comes to exhibiting and how to lay out your stand and that kind of thing um but something that i think from a cake maker's point of view that i pick up on that i really benefit from when i do a wedding fair is the networking side of it because all of a sudden you are thrown Mm. into a wedding fair with lots of other wedding suppliers and yes, I've made do you know what I mean and really I always spend at least from wedding players yes, you do you do and you know I, I yeah. spend like five ten minutes going around the, the the fair myself at like before it opens saying hello to people saying hello to florists and photographers and just yeah. introducing and also other cake makers mm. you know just introducing yeah, they're not myself your enemies. no they're, they're just not. people like you exactly exactly <laughs> and so I just think that it's a networking opportunity to start you building your own network that then mm. you can follow up afterwards and go, hi, I met you at such and such wedding fair. Um, how did you find it? It was really nice meeting you. And then you get on their radar. And if, if say it's a photographer and a photographer is being asked if they know any cake makers, you're on their radar. Yeah. Yeah. So actually yeah. I've got someone that I, I, I haven't contacted her because of, um, covid and mm-hmm. um my mum dying um but um there's a lady that i want to connect with and we were talking about setting up a photo shoot or something for us but okay with our our inspiration our designs and everything yeah <clears throat> so yeah i must contact her <laughs> the, the other <laughs> thing um that i know they said to go to the wedding fairs with the footfall and i completely agree that with that because let's face it we have both done wedding fairs where you stand as the one person yeah and they and they're not even getting married they're just the ones passing through (laughs) (laughs) they're staying at the hotel and they thought they'd pop in and have a look and get a free glass of champers um but what something else that i would say is is that you know we've talked we talk a lot on the the podcast about ideal client we talk a lot on the podcast about your niche um and so another thing that i would always look at is that if i mean for example i haven't done the epsom downs wedding fair it was last weekend and i didn't do it this year because over covid i have rebranded i have re-niched i have changed everything and I know that my ideal client aren't walking into that wedding fair. Mm. Um, whereas the one I did in Shoreditch, it was absolutely bang on my ideal client. You know, it was more alternative for me, which is ideal. Whereas Epsom Downs is more classic. It's, you know, it's a beautiful venue, but it's a real classic venue. You know, it's mm. it's a big white 
wedding cakes with sugar flowers. That's just not me anymore. Um, but if that is you, then it so, is. so I would say, yeah. <laughs> so, so I would say if you are looking to do a wedding fair, if you're going to a certain venue, is that where you think your ideal client is going to get married? Mm. Um, I think that's quite important because otherwise, again, you are you're not really advertising to the people you want to advertise to. That's right. Yeah. That's ve- and that is very important. Yeah. As well. I mean, it's all very well having 150 couples walk through the door, but if none of them like your cakes, there's not a lot of point to it. Um, but everyone but- loves your cakes. <laughs> <laughs> thanks I'm not sure they do but thanks <laughs> um, I do but <laughs> but I, I thought it was absolutely fascinating really fascinating really good yeah. alternate point of view for wedding yeah. fairs as well yeah really good really enjoyed that thank you Paul and Karen's. yes um right so on to this week's product of the week product of the week product of the week <laughs> love it um right i'm i'm going really big high ticket this this week really oh, good, really because i'm not i'm going really low <laughs> oh okay right i am going my kenwood mixer wow do you know yeah. i'm totally on board with this <laughs> i used to be a KitchenAid girl <laughs> but right, well, now the reason i'm a kenwood I'm, girl the reason i'm saying kenwood is because i so I have got three Kenwood mixers. I've got my little Ken, which is a chef. I've got red Ken, which is a K mix. And I've got big Ken, which is a major. Oh, yeah. I was just, um, that's why I was saluting you. <laughs> saluting major Kenwoods. <laughs> but my, my big Ken has been in storage for three years. And, I went, and got big, I went and got big Ken out of storage. Oh, I, I've I've missed him so much, so much. So I know that I've got some wedding cakes coming up with 12-inch tiers, and I haven't made a 12-inch tier in two years. And I just thought, I don't want to make a 12-inch tier in three parts because my mixer can't handle it, Yeah. right? So I went and got Major Ken out, seven-litre bowl, and the other day I mixed a two-tier, which was a six-inch and an eight-inch, and I did it all in one bowl. And it was like, so I've done one mix in one bowl, one lot of washing up. The oven only had to be on for half the time. Yeah. Um, and I went online. It, I, it had to have a good clean and I bought in some new parts. And this is this is my product of the week is the parts. You can get parts for your Kenwood mixer really easily, really easy. Go really? online. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the little rubber thing that the bowl stands on, mm-hmm. £2.50 for a new one. No. Two pound fifty. How many times have you scrubbed that until the point that it won't get clean? Uh, million. <laughs> yeah. Go put it through the dishwasher. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So a new one, Sorry. two pound fifty. You know the splash guard on the top to stop all the ice and sugar coming out? Yeah. Seven pound fifty. No way. Seven pound fifty. I would have thought that would have been so much more expensive. I know. I mean, okay, you can buy a new like a new metal bowl is something like forty quid. They also do for the Kenwood Major plastic bowls, fourteen pound. No. So I'm going to order. Yeah, I'm going to order a plastic oh my God, bowl. I'm going to get one because we were really low on plastic <laughs> bowls. 
And it, it's one of those things that, you, you know, you could be mixing up buttercream and then you go, oh, no, I've got to do another mix of cake. But it means that you've got to empty your, your buttercream bowl and wash it all yeah. down and everything. Whereas you could put just a bit of cling film on it, put the new bowl on, wash yeah. the beater, you're done. So I'm going to go Kenwood Spares is my product of the week. Well, you're going to Check crack up because you don't know what product I've got on my... No, I don't. Go on. You don't. But th- this is totally by coincidence. Right. My product of the week is the Kenwood spatula. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, oh, that's I'm amazing. That's a pure fluke. But was, we are not sponsored by Kenwood this week. No. <laughs> I wish we were. Yeah, God, wouldn't that be nice? I'd love a seven litre. <laughs> yeah, if we can trial run a uh, seven litre mixer, please. I think it's yeah, actually it, 7.5. The titanium. The titanium is oh very gosh, nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> right, go but, on, talk to but, me about the spatula. So I have spoken before about the spatula when yes. we did equipment. I love this tool. It gets right in. It's such a thin spatula. You can get all of the mixture off and get it. There's no waste. And I'm big about no waste. <laughs> and you can get it all in your cake tins. You, it scrapes off. It's brilliant with ganache, though I prefer mixing ganache with a wooden spoon. You can get all the yeah. stuff around the side in buttercream, cake batter, you name it. Though um, I'd keep them away from uh, teenage boys when they do cooking because they they use them in the hot pans and they melt. So um, my lovely husband the other day ordered me two for my birthday. (gasps) That's how much I love them. I have about five. Because where did he order them from? Because the website that I'm talking about, which I'll put on the show notes, which is the Kenwood Spares website, you can order them from there. Oh, but where did he order them from? Them. I don't know because it was my birthday. And oh, he does it's a surprise. The, yeah, he yeah, does but, all the receipts and everything. So I, I don't know. <laughs> they just, they just no. appeared. But yeah, oh, I'll ask him and you can put it on the show notes. Perfect, perfect. How funny we both went for Kenwood this week. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> that, that is that is random <laughs> show notes. I'm just oh. writing it down so I don't forget. Right, perfect. And I will put the sh- put that on the show notes and I'll put the Kenwood Spares website that I used on the show notes. Also, just as a little aside, did you know that, you know, on your mixer, you know where the disc is, the, the bit is where, where that your, pad, your attachments go into? Yeah. The bit above that has got a little fleecy blanket inside. That's it. Yeah. And the reason I know that is because my little fleecy blanket was holding, was hanging out. So I had to undo it and take the fleecy blanket out and buy a new one two pound fifty um and it's actually a gearbox cover (laughs) so yeah (laughs) two pound fifty new fleecy blankie for your kenwood you can get oh that's so sweet (laughs) tiny blanket for your kenwood (laughs) (laughs) so so there you go right i think we're done for the day yes thank you very much it's been brilliant it has. It's been, and it's been good to have guests back as well, which is nice. Yeah, I got a little bit nervous this morning. I had butterflies in my tummy. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? Because yeah. we, haven't, we haven't spoken to guests. We have been, I have, we have been trying to get cake makers, um, but I think everyone's making 10 cakes a week at the moment, so it's quite difficult. Ugh, yeah. <sighs> but we have, got, we have got some lined up for later in the month. So yeah. and we, will, we will see you all next time.